It started as a whisper until you screamed it at the top of your lungs. We gained momentum. You made us unstoppable. We had a vision for change. You made it a revolution. We told you we are the future until you told us the future is now. So the show starts with Triple H in the ring, talking up the value of NXT. I wish that Triple H had done this after a whole WrestleMania-style entrance. <laughs> That's the one thing I wish, is that he'd had this really elaborate entrance. I'm trying to think of it. So there was obviously the the entrance he did when he was trying to be Conan. Mm. Yeah. Trying to be Conan. It was the one that was in Silicon Valley, so he, dressed, he did the Terminator, didn't he? Oh, yes. And any number of things. What could he have been in Brooklyn... It'd be amazing if he came out like like dressed like Biggie. Oh, <laughs> that's that's who I was going to go for. I was yeah. going to go for Biggie, yeah, and he yeah. comes out rapping. He's not miming. He's rapping, but with respect, I'm guessing he's not a very good rapper because he's quite into his heavy metal, and he's just all over the shop, and the fans are booing the shit out of him. I don't know why, but the first thing that came into my head was, and I can't get it out, and now I can't think of anything else. Is Triple <laughs> H coming out as a Ghostbuster? With Stephanie, with Stephanie dressed up as the Statue of Liberty, and the two of them, <laughs> and the two of them could just recreate Ghostbusters 2 Then see. Or what would have been even better would have been if it was him and the Click, like the rest of the Click, as Ghostbusters. Oh. There we go. Um, and then, then they could have had a, like a, a giant CGI statue of Stephanie McMahon, in which no. they are in, like in no. Ghostbusters 2. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No. You're right. The click should be with him. And they should all be Ghostbusters. Stephanie okay. should come out as what's her face? Scorny Weaver. Yeah. Or whatever. And Gina. the big show should come out as the Statue of Liberty. Behind <laughs> <laughs> I think so. You have obviously Triple H would make himself Bigman. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I can you have Hall and Nash as um, Egon and Dan Aykroyd's one. I can't remember his name now. Ray. Ray stands. Ray stands. And X Pac's got a history of blacking up. And Nick, so you blacked him as Mark Henry. Oh, so you, of course he did, yeah. And then you can have Shawn Michaels as Slimer. Just running <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We, we made this better. <laughs> they come down, and then they get slimed, and then they strip down to their underwear, like they do in Terminator 2 after they go into the um, sewer. And they come out because they're all angry at each other, and they're like, Hang on, t- t- take off your thing. They're all wearing like the um, undersuits, and then they're not angry anymore because all the slimes come off. You you just said they cut the sewer, covered in slime, like they do in Terminator 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, that's why I was really confused. I was like, hang on, wait a minute, are we talking about yeah. Terminator 2 now? What's going on? Hang on, how does no one remember this? There's a tremendous <laughs> Terminator 2. Right. Homeworld Bound 2 is a great film, isn't it? <laughs> I'm 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 a big fan also of Jeepers Creepers too. That was a that was a oh, classic. Magnificent, a great film. Well, it's yeah. one of the best romantic comedies of the business today. Uh, right, yeah, I really loved it when Bruce Willis came up. Came up. <laughs> he's dead. He turned out he was dead all along. And the boy played by that kid in Stranger Things it was brilliant. Well, Elijah Wood. Yeah. <laughs> one, yeah, like the one from the Goonies. <laughs> Oh, you guys! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian Dowie, that's the one. Hello and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler and today we start to ponder the end of summer as we move away from SummerSlam and back to the randomness of the off-season pay-per-views of the past. This week we're taking a look at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn and so without further ado, I will introduce you to the two men who will be helping me during this deep dive into the event. Firstly, I'm joined by a man who struggles to make it through 10 minutes of this podcast without talking about his or someone else's dick. It's old man Sam Carey. Old man, how are you? I'm good. And more importantly, how's your dick? <laughs> it's not too bad. I was expecting some dick-related turn after that. So Yeah, I know you said that the uh, we're going from summer to autumn. So I've got a little scarf on. It's good to be celebrating the life by the medium of podcasting about wrestling. So celebrating the life? Celebrating, yeah. I don't know, to be honest, mate. Wait. <laughs> quite tired so uh <laughs> good to be celebrating life by the medium of podcasting about wrestling wearing a scarf that i'm not even wearing good okay i'm, I'm moving on uh, <laughs> because also we have tom smith who will no doubt be looking forward to hearing back from legendary rock band mooney fuji in the orin express this week following an audition he had a few days ago welcome to the show tom i'll be honest man, that's completely escaped me so <laughs> Mooney Fuji and the Orient Express was a thing that old man said on last week's show and <laughs> I commented that it sounded like a band and so I am now <laughs> taking that further and unfortunately having to explain it all at the same yeah. time. I don't, I don't remember that in the slightest. I think I was very delirious last week. Yeah. <laughs> we did that podcast. Um, yeah, looking forward to, looking forward to this. So um, we'll get into the old, uh, the expectations in a minute, but it's always, it's always a pleasure to chat to you two gents about dicks. Yeah, <laughs> ain't, ain't that the fucking truth. We are talking about NXT TakeOver Brooklyn today, and uh, it's a bit of an interesting show, this quite a significant one, I guess, because it's really the first big NXT show, which they did away from Full Sail, and sort of signaled the beginning of, I guess, what you might call the second phase of NXT, which is the NXT, which was almost positioned to try and steal back or steal away some of the indie fans that were out there watching independent wrestling and was trying to almost become the number one independent promotion around so an interesting one this i think yeah well, mm. i'm interested to find something out actually i'm glad you brought that up because you tweeted something the other day well it'll actually probably be about three weeks ago now by the time this drops on your twitter account tinky at at tink Holloway, referring to the decision that WWE has decided to take the company in now and getting rid of a lot of the smaller wrestlers and stuff like that. What is that? I don't know what that is. Apparently, so about, as you say, about three or four weeks ago, WWE released 
a number of talents from NXT. It was about 11 or 12 of them. And included in that was um, Bobby Fish, I believe, was one of the ones that were released, as well as, um, what's his name now? Can't remember his name. Bronson Reed, who had not long ago won the North American title Mm. and then dropped it and was being prepared for a main roster push. And what apparently has come about is that Vince and various members of the backroom team that are not Triple H have made a decision that NXT needs to move back to being more of a development territory rather than a brand of its own, even though it still will maintain being a brand of its own because it has a contract to be aired on on national television rather than just the network. But the idea being that there are too many older wrestlers and too many smaller wrestlers on the roster, and that is not preparing the kinds of future talent that WWE want. So that was what I was commenting on. So is that? Do you think that's? Because I was thinking about this the other day, and I haven't I haven't watched NXT regularly, probably since around about the time of this pay per view actually. And even then, I would say I wasn't really watching NXT regularly. I was probably watching the takeovers regularly. It's more of a fair reflection on my my watching habits of NXT. And it's funny that you mentioned that old Bobby the Fish has been um, been released as well, because I did think like those guys who were in the Undisputed Era have been around for fucking ages. Like, I remember Adam Cole was in like the Rumble like two years ago, wasn't he? And stuff mm. like that. So I also wonder as well, if it got to, gets to a point where there's a lot of the talents would rather stay on NXT rather than go up to the main roster. And I do get the idea that Vince could be quite a petty man at times. And no. there's like a bit of like a, oh, you don't want to come up to the main roster? Well, fuck you then. <laughs> Well, I don't know what the truth behind that is. What I will say about Bobby Fish is he was always, he's 44 years old, Bobby Fish. So he was quite old, even when he signed for NXT. I remember him being late 30s. And Kyle O'Reilly, who was his regular tag team partner before they um, joined NXT and obviously then continued whilst they were in NXT, is a good 10 years younger than him. So they they always had quite a big age uh, gap between the two. And I don't know if it was about them not wanting to come up. I might have been. But I also assume that part of it was about the fact that they obviously originally seemed to transition NXT to normal television for the purpose of going up against AEW, or at least preventing AEW from having the biggest, the bigger ratings that it might have got had there not been another wrestling show head to head with it. And when they found that NXT wasn't really able to beat AEW in the ratings, um, this apparently, according to various reports, appears to be one of the reasons why now Vince McMahon and maybe one or two of the the other executives in the WWE have decided, look, you've had your chance to be that kind of alternative to the independents and now AEW. It's not really come off because AEW is taken off in a big way. So we need you now to start actually preparing the stars of the future for this company. What I was saying on Twitter is that ultimately, yes, NXT has been because obviously there's been a big backlash to this from fans because NXT has been really, really popular and it's been really really um entertaining and you know as we saw from the show we covered not long ago where we gave it a really big score but what i was sort of saying is that that is true but at the same time if wwe's decision is still going to be that we're going to present wrestling the way we've always presented it and we want big men to be our staple then why would they continue to fund and pay for a system that doesn't provide them with that talent? That is surely the point. Now, I don't agree with that that direction, but ultimately it would be foolish of WWE who have a strategy to go in one direction to then have a development system that didn't feed that that direction. So I can understand this, to be honest, I, I, as much as it might annoy me because it might take away a very good product if they do indeed start to really water down NXT. I, I can understand it. I think it makes sense. 
I was having this conversation with someone this past weekend and they were very much of the mind that Vince is like just trying to take over and obviously only has his way and only his way will do. And I said, well, yeah, that is obviously the case. And that's kind of his prerogative. Like, I think he's just said, I don't particularly agree with it. I don't watch enough NXT. I'm always sad when someone loses their job, unless they're crap at their job, which, from my experience, not many of the people that got released were that I'd seen. But it's just wrestling, isn't it? And also, like you said, they're going up, well, not going up directly anymore, but they wanted to kind of take a little slice of AEW's pie. Why would you offer the same product as them if you're going to try and take something of theirs? Which is kind of, from what I've seen, that's kind of what they've been doing. And you'd rather watch, with respect to the people on NXT, you'd rather watch some old hands that you know, like people like Jericho and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and that, with a load of people that you don't. Like, I'd never heard of Orange Cassidy and JF and some other people whose names escape me. So, yeah, it's quite it's quite sad, but ultimately, doesn't matter, does it? Because well, it all keeps spinning around. Well, I think, and, you know, we, we'll get to the show we're covering today eventually, but I think, look at... WWE, we, we discussed this, me and you, Tom, about a month ago now, maybe even a bit longer. Like, I don't know who WWE have got next for Roman Reigns or for Bobby Lashley or for Drew McIntyre, whoever the main event guy is, other than each other. Like, they might have Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre, I guess, but I think they did that last year at one stage anyway. But they're looking around. Vince McMahon will be looking around the roster and going, who have I got? Who who has NXT provided me that can be the next star? That I, that in, in the mold that I see starts now you know we can argue that they've had guys that have been have gone up to the main roster and could have been stars but WWE didn't use them because Vince McMahon didn't see them as stars so they should start producing wrestlers that WWE do see as stars like you know when WWE had a higher value wrestling for example as their um, development territory they got Randy Orton they got John Cena they got Batista and they got Brock Lesnar those are the people that WWE see as stars and always have done so that's the kind of people they need to be mm. producing not even the, some of the guys in NXT now like Adam Adam Cole like is that is he ever going to be pushed as a main star by Vince McMahon I can't see it personally but maybe I'm wrong do you know the thing that I find really interesting is that I feel like a lot of um a lot of wrestlers these days are fans of wrestling who grew up liking a certain type of wrestler um who then want to emulate those kind of wrestlers. Your Sean Michaels, your Bret Hart's even like the wrestlers now will probably talk about the likes of Jericho and Edge, you know what I mean, growing up and be liking those those wrestlers. And therefore I don't know if you get as many of the big, like truly big guys that you used to get back in the day. And I wonder also as well if like people like may have been professional athletes, college athletes, or or you know major like football players or or bodybuilders or people who who'd never quite made the grade, but now transition more likely into MMA than pro wrestling, yeah. you know, because uh, rather than you know rather than taking that route. And I wonder if that is a reason why you don't tend to get as many big guys. Obviously, as well, I think we can talk about a lack of big guys without highlighting the fact that there probably is a lot more scrutiny in terms of steroids. And stuff like that in, in within the company as well. But I do wonder if that plays a big part in it as well. I think you're probably right. I think that's probably yeah. a, a part of it. But I, I, I ultimately, I think that Triple H uh, and the direction NXT went in was very much supposed to be aping the Ring of Honor independent style, but using all of the biggest names in independent wrestling to do it and therefore present provide something that was better than the independents could provide and looked better because it had more money behind it but now we've got AEW which I guess you could argue isn't really even independent 
promotion because it's it's really big and also it's not exactly independent they're they're backed by a billionaire but ultimately that 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 was kind of the transition from nxt i sort of said at the beginning of the show this is the beginning of phase two almost of nxt the nxt that went to national television was kind of phase three of what nxt is or was and that phase three was i think supposed to go up against AEW, and as i say pull away viewers away from that and and it didn't and it hasn't worked ultimately so i think the idea now is get back to being development territory and and develop us some stars the other thing as well the, the reason why i think potentially maybe you could if you wanted to call anything this wwe a loser in in conjunction to what's going on in AEW, whilst AEW can work outside of the constraints that they have the nxt have to work in as a wwe product they obviously i'm assuming i, I don't obviously know the internet of the business deals but i imagine that nxt doesn't have the same sponsors that raw or smackdown will have but there will still be barrier down to shareholders they probably can't do as many risky things like they couldn't bring in like nick gage and have a absolute blood fest on tv out of nowhere and make it seem really edgy and different and cool because they have to work within the parameters that the, the company has in and of itself so even though i think even though you can compare nxt to aw they've definitely got a lot more freedom to be a bit more creative and and a bit more innovative or not even innovative but hark back to the things that people miss that you don't get in wwe anymore and have a bit more freedom to make a more compelling TV show as well. Yeah. I think NXT became a different show, though, as well, when it went on to national TV. I think it went away from some of the stuff that it was doing really well and became less. It just became less of what it was, in my in my view. And that's bound up in the fact that they didn't just take NXT as it was on the network and put it on TV. They added another hour. Yeah. <laughs> And they and they and so now it's it had to become something different, more like WWE. And obviously it was going to be given more kind of scrutiny by the powers that be in WWE because it was on TV. So, yeah, it had all kinds of problems there. And I, I think that's what that's what happened. Let's get to the show we're covering today. Good good job. It's a shorter show than usual. Otherwise, we'd be uh, <laughs> we'd be paying for that 20 minutes there. Um, The show begins. Oh, no. What am I doing? We need to talk about our expectations. <laughs> we, we went so far away. Yeah. I think he's got to the end of his running order. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and, and if I can take your match in the night, please. <laughs> so, so the game. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, no, our expectations going in. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Old man, let's start with you. So I have memories of watching one of the matches. I've watched one of the matches on this card numerous times and always enjoyed it. But I've only watched the show as a whole the one time, which was after it was on. And I don't know whether this was reflective of the quality of the match that I've watched numerous times or the rest of the show I could not remember anything else on this card spare the opener and I was a little bit unsure so I was still looking forward to it but I was unsure that I'd be wholly satisfied by the product that was served up to me on a little NXT shaped plate Tom I was I was looking forward to it I had seen the show before but like old man said I couldn't remember much about it apart from one specific match that was on there. You know you're going to get a decent to good card, at the very least, from an NXT TakeOver, at least in my experience of watching them. Um, I can't remember, I, like I said, I think at this time I was watching the, the TakeOvers quite regularly, um, but I must admit my, my kind of timeline, kind of I, I couldn't remember before we kind of before we started watching it who like, the champion would have been, if it would have been Kevin Owens or Finn Balor or Neville or, or Samoa Joe. It's kind of like... I kind of I never can remember kind of what period it is I was watching, but all in all I was I was looking forward to it. Yeah, now I remember probably the same things you remember, old man. 
I remember, well, I, I was going to say, I remember the opener. I don't remember the opener. I remember that Jushin Liger's in the opener, and that was it. Yes. That was all I remembered yeah, yeah, beforehand. Yeah. And I remembered the women's title match. And if I give you my memory of that before watching this again, so I, I remember watching this show, as, as I probably watched most wrestling at the time, which was half not really concentrating, sort of on my phone or on a laptop, doing other things, trying to like fit this in around other things that were going on. And I can remember the moment in the match between Bailey and Sasha Banks where I suddenly stopped, you know, typing on my laptop or whatever I was doing at the time and just went, wow, wow, what's good? What, wow. <laughs> and can I, then can I predict what that is. Yeah, but not yet. Wait until we get there. Then you can do it. Um, so, I, so I can remember that and then kind of watching the rest of it and thinking this is possibly the best thing I've seen all year in terms of a, a wrestling match. So, yeah, very, very looking forward to watching that again because I don't know if I ever watched it again. I just know that I watched it at that time. So really looking forward to seeing that again. And I kind of remembered the main event, but I kind of didn't as well. I was a bit like, hang on, I kind of have a vague memory of this, but I'm interested to see how they go as well. So this was one that I was really looking forward to seeing, just to see if it really matched up to my memory of certain parts of it. So the show starts with Triple H in the ring, talking up the value of NXT. And he lifts his arm and the lights come up. Apparently, he is equally as adept at controlling the lights with his arms as The Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. The fans chant NXT and Triple H shouts, we are NXT in that stylized way that Triple H often does. And uh, yeah, we are off and running. I remember this being a bit longer, this bit. I don't know if they've cut it or something, but I mm. seem to remember this being longer. Mm. Um, I wonder if they had, maybe The Undertaker was backstage and there was a the Triple H and, and The Undertaker had a little chat before and he was like, listen, mate, when I put my arms up, I need you to put your arms up so the lights come on. <laughs> oh, and lovely old John. I think that's probably what happened. So let's um let's move on. The show starts with models walking down the aisle wearing clothes styled to look like New York landmarks. This is especially for Tyler Breeze's entrance. Yeah, you know I I quite like a bit of Tyler Breeze. I quite like I quite like this his daft entrance. I love his selfie stick. I love all his that. music is phenomenal. And he sings it. He does. I when I was watching it, I I can remember the music. Couldn't really remember that he sang it. I thought, this is right up Tommy's alley. This is yeah. this is right up his Kirsty alley. Right up his Kirsty. And our commentators for the show are Rich Brennan, Byron Saxton, and Corey Graves, which I was glad <laughs> that they showed them because I was I didn't recognise the voice of Rich Brennan here, and no. I'd almost forgotten he existed. I don't know what's happened to him. I assume he's been released many many moons ago. But as well. He was all right, yeah. yeah. I thought he was quite good. Mm. Better than Maura Vanilla. Yeah, well, let's not get talking about Maura Vanilla oh, again. No, Tommy, don't, don't miss a chance to get a dig in on poor old Maura Vanilla, does he? Or a dick. Uh, <laughs> so, um, he, Tyler Reed, is facing Jushin Thunder Liger in a match that goes for just under nine minutes and ends when Liger hits a running Liger bomb for the win. Tom, what were your thoughts on the match? Do, do you know what? It's, this is fun. I enjoyed this match a lot. Um, I like at the beginning of it, they, they, uh, at the beginning of it, um, Tyler Breeze is doing this arrogant kind of like Eddie Guerrero, Shawn Michaels, like lean, like uh, posing on the turnbuckle, laying across the turnbuckle. And then Jushin Liger does it and does a bad save and, and annoys him. And then he, then they have a little exchange of moves and Jushin Liger grabs a selfie stick and starts yeah. like, taking pictures. It's quite, amu- quite amusing. 
it's a bit of an interesting one. So I, I really quite like Tyler Breeze. If I had any any sway, I'd have binned off Dolph Ziggler and uh, got big Tyler Breeze up to the main roster to take his spot because he's similar to him, but much better, I think, because he's actually got a character and a bit mm. of personality. Now, I think, obviously, when he came up to the main roster, he didn't land as well as as he did in NXT. And that, that's kind of a bit of a theme throughout this entire card, which which would be interesting to, to talk about more like later on, is that everyone's pretty much over in, in NXT. Yeah. Um, and Tyler Breeze is definitely one of them. Jushin Liger is like 50 at this mm. point, and he's wearing an entire bodysuit. He must have been boiling. Yeah. Fucking bodysuit and mask. But fair play to the old cunt. He's still got it. Like, <laughs> yeah, so he can still go, and it was it was a really entertaining match. They kind of got a basic story of basically Tyler Breeze getting frustrated and not being able to beat Liger, and then at the end of it, he gets too frustrated and gets caught out, and Liger hits a running powerbomb. Like overall, I I quite enjoyed the match. It was a fun opener, as as most openers should be. Um, it's not quite you know, it's not quite Carlito versus Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was great, and it was I, I felt. You said it was just under nine minutes. It felt quite short to me. Um, and I thought it could have been a little bit longer. But to be perfectly honest, it served its purpose. Didn't act today, it's welcome. And basically kind of set the tone for the rest of the night. And I enjoyed it very much. I echo pretty much everything that Tommy said. The only thing is pretty much, to be honest, it's like he's read me notes. I'm a little bit pissed off, to be honest. But uh, the one thing I really liked is that when Breeze is getting frustrated, is he keeps trying to break away from Liger's moves. And it's really messy. He looks like he's panicking and he looks like he's frustrated. I had no idea whether it was intentional, but it looked great. And I thought it was great. I just really, really like this. Like Tom said, the old cunt can still go. And Tyler Breeze, I always thought was massively underrated, underappreciated, not underrated. So I think like people liked him. But yeah, I thought he was good. I like his, like his character. And there's also a side. I, I was on to a winner because... Just before they're about to start the match, there's a sign that says Phil goes ham in the crowd. <laughs> and I don't know what it means, but I was like, you know what I mean? Well, ham is is slang for hard as a motherfucker. Is it? Yeah. So oh, Phil. Do you Phil, reckon it was in reference to Phil Mitchell? I reckon it was in yeah, reference to Phil Mitchell's crippling alcoholism. Yes. And and his crack addiction as well. Don't forget that. Let's not forget that. Come on, Tinky. Round it up, lovely. Give it a three out of three. Get your Velcro out. Velcro? Get your gaffer tape out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I thought it was a good match. I think that I remembered it being better, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, that might have been a problem for me. I remember it being better than it was, but it was good. And what I really like about it, as you say, Jushin Liger, 50 years old, he was, when he was in his prime, an exceptionally gifted, high-flying wrestler. But, say it, Tinky. Say it, Tinky. What? Say it. I don't know what you want me to say. The old cunt can still go. <laughs> <laughs> but the old cunt can still go. Um, because he has, at some point, many, many years before this, transitioned to being a primarily submission-based wrestler. And the fact that he is able was able to do that is just a mark of what an amazing talent he is. And I think so many more wrestlers could take this approach. I've been long, you know, asking Daniel Bryan to just be a submission wrestler and not do so much of the high flying or, or high impact stuff because he could just, it, it just protect him. That's really what I want him to do is just be protective of himself. So I really like this. Tyler Breeze is really cool. 
I like the gimmick a lot. I think his biggest problem was that when he got to the main roster, WWE immediately programmed him with Dolph Ziggler as opposed to just replacing Dolph Ziggler. And it was just like, oh, yeah, here are two guys that are both really obnoxious and we don't really like either of them. But Dolph Ziggler has kind of been there for a long time. And people who aren't familiar with NXT are just going to think he's a bit of a a bit of a copy, um, which he isn't because he, as you say, he's actually got a gimmick, proper gimmick and a proper character with, you know, these little bits and pieces. But that's the other thing I really liked about it is that, you know, you could have it could have been easy to make this too serious or as Jushin Thunder Liger this is one time in WWE never will do it again but they just incorporated all of Tyler Breeze's little you know little character traits the selfie stick the as you say the pose on top of the on top of the turnbuckle just yeah really quite entertaining I think that was that's what this was just a really nice it wasn't fast which I I really appreciate as well it made me what made me realize is that your opener doesn't need to be fast it just needs to be engaging in some way and this really was so i thought it was a really tidy opener they they managed to build a storyline into the match which has got no a match yeah. that on paper has got no reason to happen it, it, it's literally just tyler breeze saying i've got no opposition that can keep up with me in nxt and then jushin Liger's like i'm here lads uh, the other thing that I found quite interesting, whilst doing a little bit of my notes on it, is that he had a mixed martial arts match, an MMA, MMA match in 2002, in which he wore his mask. <laughs> or at least a modified version of his mask during the bout. But still, magnificent. If you, on his Wikipedia page, he's wearing a lovely suit with the mask. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, he looks proper quality. I, I'm tempted just to start wearing the mask myself, to be honest. Yeah, I'd love that. After this match, we have sort of three very brief bits that I'll run through and you can afterwards tell me if you've got any notes on them. So we see Kevin Nash, Scott Hall and X-Pac in the crowd. So they could have recreated Ghostbusters too. Yes. They're all there. Um, we see Bailey backstage prepare, preparing for her match with Sasha Banks. And we see Charlotte and Becky Lynch wishing her luck. Well, we assume that's what she's saying because we aren't hearing any of what they're saying. It's just music playing over the top of it. And we get a short vignette for coming soon, Nia Jax to NXT. Mm. Why have they got those three leathery old farts in the crowd? The Triple H's mates, aren't they? They're yeah, there just to support like, him. Who gives a fuck? And also, is this the bit where they show them and then Asuka? No, that's later on. At the end, that's later on because that's fucking shameful. But I did enjoy the Nia, ha- Nia Hacks, fuck me, the Nia Jax hype video because uh, you can't see her size in the video. And I'd imagine when she does do, because she's a big old sturdy unit, it would have been like, fuck no, she's going to decimate everyone, which she does for a little bit. So you know that you commented a while back about Nia Jax and the way she's dressed and it not mm. being particularly flattering to her. Yeah. The debut she made in NXT, she was wearing something that was even less flattering. I can't really? remember it exactly, but I remember her debut and it was just like, come on, like give her something else. Why is she really dressed as Mary Poppins? No, no, I don't think so. Oh, no, that's, a, that's a wasted opportunity. The Nia Dax promo, it's like, this looks like an advert for a Janet Jackson album from like the late oh. 80s. Oh, I, can't wait, I can't wait to listen to Control by Janet Jackson after this. Done. <laughs> Tom's just named a Janet Jackson album. Probably the only person who listens to this podcast who knows that album. <laughs> I'd imagine. Answers on a postcard to care of Tom Smith, Janet Jackson fan club, Bristol. <laughs> He'll find his way there. Yeah, He'll find his way to him, no problem. So, <laughs> second match is for the NXT Tag Team Titles. It sees Blake and Murphy defending against the Vault Villains. Blake and Murphy are accompanied by Alexa Bliss. Before the uh, match, 
um, Alexa Bliss grabs a microphone and says that the Vaud villains need to understand that no one is going to help them because they are so pathetic. At which point, Blue Pants music hits and Blue's Blue Pants walks down to the ring to stand in the Vaud villains corner. So the end of the match sees Bliss and Blue Pants get into a confrontation and start to fight. This distracts Aiden English and Murphy goes for a roll up, but um, English manages to kick out. Gotch then jumps in the ring and the pair of them hit the Whirling Dervish for the pin and get the victory to win the tag team titles. Old man, your thoughts? Well, first off, Blake and Murphy's music is bonkers. I thought I was in a nightclub, so I obviously had a little dance. I thought this was all right. I thought this was a decent tag match. There were some decent near falls that get a good reaction from the crowd. I must say the crowd are very into this, very into the Vaud villains and very against Blake and Murphy, who I must confess I had a little bit of trouble telling apart because of their hair. Yeah, I didn't really get the whole blue pants stuff, but because you know what it's leading to, Alexa Bliss is going to try and get involved and their blue pants is going to get involved. But they managed it lovely because it's quick, gets a lovely pop from the crowd, and then it's done, and then they go to the little finish with the old whirling dervish. I thought this was solid, a solid little tag team match. But I must confess, I was expecting a bit more. And I think this may be a running theme where I was expecting this to be really, really good. And it was good, which isn't a bad thing. But it didn't quite hit the heights that I was expecting. I'm glad you clarified that something that's good is not a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's just not very good. And we might get on something that's very, very good if we're lucky. That's definitely not a bad thing. So, Tom, what, what did you think? Was it good or was it bad? Or was it bad good or good bad or good good or yeah. bad bad? Which one was it? I'm Finally, gonna... Tinky's asking the hard questions. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with good, which is not bad, as old man said. <laughs> um, so, I've got a, a few notes here. So, I, 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 didn't, I don't know who Blue Pants is. I've got a clue. So, Blue, Blue Pants was somebody who kind of wrestled relatively regularly on the weekly NXT show. More often than not, she would lose. She was kind of a jobber. Um, and she just got over. She just got really over with the fans. I think partially because she was called Blue Pants. And secondly, because she had that amazingly weird music that she came yeah. out. To. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's why she got really over. But yeah, she did for a bit get over. She comes out and Corey Graves doesn't like her at all. And at that point, the first This Is Awesome chant starts. Which is a bit much for me before the match <laughs> started. We had someone called Blue Pants coming down to the ring, who I've never heard of. So this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. A little bit like, come on, lads. Sorry. I think they specifically thought it was awesome because you hadn't heard of her, Tom. Maybe, yeah, maybe. The Vault Villains, though, are really over. Again, testament to everyone can be over in NXT because I don't think they're necessarily a bad team, but they're not great. And this is this is kind of pre the likes of DIY. And those other lads that are in the, the, the revival, the revival, and you know, and um, you know, they start having these really, really good the um, the undisputed era and that lot yeah. before like these the really, really epic, amazing tag matches come in. That being said, it's still it's still quite fun. There's a couple of I, I came out of it with a bit of a greater appreciation for Aiden English after this match. Two moments in particular. One, he does a phenomenal swanton um off the top rope, which is very impressive. Mm. better than Jeff Hardy's I'd say the form just looks outstanding but also there's a moment during the during the period of kind of Blake and Murphy's dominance of the match prior to him doing the hot tag which is excellent the crowd are really up for it Aiden English looks genuinely fucked like he looks like he's just had the shit kicked out of him and looks absolutely exhausted this great 
kind of facial selling from him, which I thought was which I thought was great. I really like the the War Villains finisher. I think it's a really yeah. cool finish. And that's kind of about it, really. As as old man said, the, the crowd really get into it when Alexa Bliss and Blue Pants have their little scrap. And the the, the thing I liked about it, I've said this before, I'm a big fan of Alexa Bliss. And again, in particular, her acting, I guess, for, for lack of a better better phrase. Um, she's up there with Stephen Regal, uh, up there for being able to tell an entire story with her face. And her sad face when they're walking back up the ramp was absolutely phenomenal. She looked like a sad fish. A sad Bobby the fish who'd just been fired. Just been released, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. I, it was a good match, a good tag match. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't uh, up to the, the standards that we came to get later on in the uh, in the second and, dare I say, the third era of NXT. Yeah, no, agreed, because I think I seem to remember being, con- not confused, but I just didn't understand at the time even why these two teams were the ones they were spotlighting because they had the revival they had american alpha that were, were bubbling yeah. under as well they had uh, lucha dragons as well that were in nxt and you were kind of like these are all better than these two teams in my view anyway so it just felt a little bit strange that these were the two teams fighting over the title i don't think the ford villains held the belts for very long in fact and even actually at the time in fairness enzo mori and big cass were uh, in nxt as well as a tag team and were super over too so it was a bit strange that these two were the focus of the tag tag um division it was all right the end was very good massively over a big pop for the for the vault villains victory but other than that it was a bit average i guess so um, basically what okay. you're saying is that when i said it was good not bad i was right well you were right but it was just that it's obviously the case that thank you, you were right <laughs> hang on can, tommy can we mark that down yeah. i think he just said i was right and that's the real quiz <laughs> yeah so we then get um, a little promo for We Like It Loud by Sleeping Sirens, which is the official theme of, of NXT for the night. And then footage of Finn Balor and Neville arriving at the Barclays Center and also being greeted by Cesaro. I'm not going to be listening to We Like It Loud again, I don't think. Finn Balor comes out of the, uh, the limo looking quite dashing, nice suit, you know, looking looking ever the champion. Adrian Neville looks like such a fucking nerd. He's got he's got the grasses on and a tremendously crap polo shirt as well. And it just looks I look so weird. And then then in comes Big Cesaro towering over both of them. And I was just like, this is a very strange visual. What are you trying to accomplish with this? Very odd. That that is exactly what I thought when I saw this. As I so that so you put someone with someone to try and give them that little rub. And we talked about um Bailey trying to give them the little Becky and Charlotte little rub. Yeah, I didn't get this. Why Neville, who was the, obviously the first champion, why is he riding to the arena with him? Yeah, I didn't know. I, I wondered if they were just drawn on the fact that they had both come up through the British independent scene, even though I know Balor's Irish, but I, yeah. do, I, don't, I don't know. And uh, you're right. Neville looked like he was just, he, he looked like Norman Smiley in terms of him just hanging around training people in one of his polo <laughs> shirts. Like, you're just one of the crew now. Is that what you are, Neville? It was really odd. It was, yeah, it's Finn Balor turns up with his accountant. Yeah. It, it would have been a much more effective segment if Norman Smiley had acted out bumming Finn Balor. Like <laughs> oh, Norman Smiley did to Terry Funk. Oh, imagine if he, imagine if Finn Balor came out. It would be it would be a strong visual if he came out dressed in the, as the demon at the limo. 
And then fucking <laughs> Adrian Neville just walks out with him. So then there was also uh, a little shot of Rick Rubin in the crowd, which is the second yeah. time in three weeks, I think, we've seen Rick Rubin yeah. in the crowd at a WWE show. And then we had the third match, Apollo Crews against Ty Dillinger in a four and a half minute match, which ended after Crews hit a gorilla press and then the standing moonsault and got the pin. Old man. This is crap, isn't it? I'll tell you what, when you said four and a half minutes, this felt longer, I must say. Ty Dillinger is not very good, unfortunately. And what I don't understand is, so this is Apollo Crews' debut. They're having him go over someone who isn't particularly over. Like, Ty Dillinger was to get incredibly over with the crowd and quite popular. He's not really at this point, and he's not particularly very good in the ring. And it could, they kind of have a little bump around for a little bit. And then Ty Dillinger puts on this weird hug thing where it's basically his right arm is under... Apollo Crews' right armpit, and then he just puts his arm over his shoulder and holds his arm. That's it. And they put this on for know, about 25 seconds. And by that point, I was like, this is crap. And I also noticed that on Apollo Crews, everything he does seems so choreographed that I was just like, this is just not very exciting at all. And you've got Dillinger, who isn't very exciting. Apollo Crews doesn't come across very exciting in this match. And I kind of thought, why have they done this on a takeover? I don't really understand. Just not, it's not bad because it's four and a half minutes, but it's not well, very exciting. Was it? So this is a case of where it's not bad, but it's not good either. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of in between. It's kind of, let's say it's buying average. Tom? Yeah, I, I can't really say much else to be perfectly honest. I mean, I'm bloody right again, TK. <laughs> again, Ty Dillinger's 10 thing, again, is proof that anybody can get over in NXT. Because you, you know, that that in itself, even if he's not over, that's popular. He pats himself on the back. He's no fucking Barry Horowitz. Oh, we all know that. <laughs> um, I find Apollo Crews a bit of an enigma because he's clearly a talented guy, but has never really done anything. I don't think his name's helped. And I don't know if this is just me. Well, I can't help but think that he's named Apollo Crews because Terry Crews is quite popular. Yeah, I thought that whilst I was watching it, actually. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's yeah. because he's a muscly, bold black guy. Do you know what I mean? So there's, in my mind, there's a weird correlation that, that I imagine go, a WWE filter goes through when he's like, there we go, Apollo Crews. I genuinely think that if he was six inches taller, he could be quite a big deal with the right push. But there's just not really anything particularly interesting about him as a character, I find. Now, it might be different because I know he's gone through a change now. I know he's got a Nigerian accent on SmackDown. I'm not quite sure if they've done anything interesting with him, but I just happened to notice that when I was flicking through SmackDown the other week. But what I will say for him is that his athleticism is very impressive and he does a really impressive standing moonsault for the win. Mm. Um, But other than that, it's just a bit meh, really, for me. Yeah, so... I understand what you're saying. I think, so again, Yuhan Nation was one of the big independent stars of the time. And when they signed him, it was a big deal to the independent crowd. And so again, this being NXT, trying to provide the the champagne, I guess, of the independent scene, this was the, the this was what it was about. So there was a bit of a buzz around him coming in. But I think you're right, old man. One thing that you, you said that really resonated with me is it's just choreographed. The stuff he does is so good and so clean that it just feels sterile it's a bit like i need it to feel at least a tiny bit 
like you're struggling to do i don't know how to yeah. explain it other than that um i also think that um this should have been him coming in and just beating ty ginger in in a minute it shouldn't have yeah. been a four minute match where he had to sell some offense he should have just come in done one or two of his cool moves and then walked out and that would have had a lot more kind of impact as a debut we saw it with vader for example on that show that we 1990 great american bash where he debuted in wcw that's the kind of thing you want i think yeah. from a guy that presumably you've got big plans for and you know you're he's up against someone who by this point hadn't yet really established himself even with the 10 10 10 thing the best thing about ty Dillinger is the little forward roll he does into the 10 because he holds up his right leg and then does a forward roll off one foot that's it <laughs> and and the fact he has 10 shaped into his hair one and thing is that impressive <laughs> Well, it depends how, whether you can grow your hair long enough to do it, then, old man. Fuck me. <laughs> so I, I really set myself up for that, didn't I? I knew as soon as I said that, I was like, he's going to fucking jump on this because he's a nasty cunt. <laughs> One thing I do like about Apollo Crews, though, and always have done, is his music. Really like the Apollo Crews music. Boom, it's quite bouncy. Boom, yeah, it's fun. Boom. Oh, I almost went into uh, Jurassic Park then, by mistake. That, that is his theme tune. What, what, what do you want? <laughs> It's Apollo Crews, and he comes down, comes down dressed as a T-Rex. In fairness, that would have shown a bit of personality and would have worked. So next up, William Regal talks backstage and announces the formation of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic after saying that NXT wouldn't be what it is without Dusty Rhodes. It's obviously not long after Dusty Rhodes had passed away. Rich Brennan then talks about Connor's Cure and a donation that was made to Connor's Cure by. A company that I couldn't catch the name of. I think it might have been Tort Sport, Sport or something like that. Um, and then the NXT finalists are shown in the crowd. The, the NXT, not the NXT. What am I talking about? Uh, tough, tough enough NXT. finalists are yeah. shown in the crowd, um, which I didn't recognise any of them. But I'm sure one of the, one of them or two of them are still with WWE. I expect. Oh well, one of them is Mandy Rose. Well, there you go. <laughs> Um, She's the only one who ever stepped foot in a WWE ring. William Regal, when he's doing the tribute to us, it was quite nice. There's some cunt trying to get a watch hat going. Yes. Did my head in. So that cunt, if he's listening, or, or she, can fuck off. And the two, what? It's a pretty rough reaction to the tough enough on this, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay, get the shit booed out of them. I think this tough enough series was on YouTube because I watched it. I don't know if it was all right. I think it was on the network. Hmm. maybe it was and maybe i illegally downloaded it from somewhere yeah the, the thing about the tough enough thing as well though is that you are showing you're you're in the middle of a show which is your development brand so this is presumably where your hopefuls should be going not yeah. tough enough <laughs> well it doesn't make sense when you've got nxt like if they'd yeah. have done tough enough with 12 of the people that were in nxt and say right you're the tough and tough enough comp uh, yeah. competitors one of you gets a contract at the end of this with the with the main roster or something they would have probably been more likely to be accepted yeah and also just to come full circle i do believe that wesley blake who was in the previous match is now married to sarah lee who was the other female finalist right nice. okay lovely and josh and the other guy whose name i can't remember don't know what they're doing probably crack is my guess sarah, sarah lee yeah she should Gas out of the promotion. <laughs> oh, I knew there was a gato joke coming. There was a there was a time once um, where uh, it was just before Christmas, um, where uh, my parents' freezer broke, and uh, I think it was, you were at uni, I think. Oh man, I don't think we weren't seeing much of each other at the time. Don't know why. 
can't explain yeah. it. Well, that, well, that's because you had that phase where you hated people who were losing their hair, didn't you? It's true. And, it, and it wasn't until I shaved my head that you were finally welcoming me back in. Finally, yeah, welcome you back into open arms. Um, freezer broke. We were supposed to go out to uh, me and a couple of lads were supposed to get into the pub. And um, my mum was like, uh, listen, freezer's broken. We've got three desserts in there ready for Christmas that needs to be eaten. <laughs> two cheesecakes and Sara Ligato. So I called the only person at the time I could rely on to get me on with this. I called Big Johnny up. And uh, we were supposed to go into the pub. We told like Mark and a bunch of the other lads, we're like, meet you down in the pub in about an hour. Got some business to take care of. We ate an entire one of the cheesecakes, half the Sara Ligato and half the other Gatto. Eventually got down to the pub and left within 15 minutes. <laughs> what a night. Wonderful stuff. Far better than being in a pub all night. Fuck that shit. Right. Right. Well, especially because one the pub you went to, the Bush. Oh, yeah. The Bush in Thailand. Lovely pub. Oh, Lovely establishment back in the day. So, next up, hype video for Baron Corbin versus Samoa Joe, which is based around the idea that Corbin simply had to make a phone call to get a contract with NXT, whilst Joe says that they called me um yes which was a quite a good i thought quite a good retort to baron corbin um but the idea of course is that, that they're they're playing into the real world idea that baron corbin hasn't had to pay his dues and samoa joe has and samoa joe's sticking up for the men yeah. who have men and women who have had to pay their dues to get even to nxt i really like this because this is a on the on paper in particular what six years later is completely throwaway and very uninspiring stuff. But this added something. And I was like, lovely old job. I've got a reason now to watch Samoa Joe probably choke out Barry Corbin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very much so. As you said, no need for this match to happen. But they, they build they build that inside at the beginning with the promo. Both really good work for both guys. As you said, thank you. A good, good kind of retort from, from, uh, from Samoa Joe. And, you know, I always like this in a match, and I'll come on to it with the next one as well. So clearly obvious who the heel is and who the big face is, which to be fair, had that through for the rest of it. Although there are some, you know, people who, who are cheering for Tyler Breeze in the first match and, and people who are cheering for Tyler Dillinger in the third match. But this one, there's no there's no mistake in the smart fans. I, I don't particularly like Baron Corbin. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of his. But one thing that he is very good at is he is he is a good heel because smart, quote unquote, wrestling fans don't like him because he's not very good. Or he's, he's pretty shit in the ring and seems to have this overinflated sense of his own importance. But he's not bad at playing a heel character, that obnoxious character. And he, fair play to him, he does, he does a good job in this match. Baron Corbin is in the category that The Miz is in, that Michael Cole is in, where he just, he has almost no way to be accepted by a certain certain group of fans mm. there's just no way he'll ever be accepted by them no matter how what he does or how good he is saying that i'm not a huge fan of corbin i just find him a little bit dull but i like the where they got to with this feud and what i liked here as well is that i don't usually like them playing the real life behind the scenes bollocks because i just think it doesn't do anything for anybody especially when you're trying to appeal to a broader audience but in this regard i felt like it was they didn't explicitly say that this is because samoa joe has paid his dues it was more about just the fact that baron corbin felt like he already looked like a star and and so do other people think he already looked like a star and he's a, a natural athlete and all these things and so basically he's really sought after and could just say yes i want to be in wwe sign me up and so what they did is they kind of they kind of had that nod towards that smart fan group, if you like, without 
being explicit about it and without taking you out of the moment of what the 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 universe you're in basically which is the idea that people are trying to win matches and mm. trying to um do well so i i thought that was quite well done the match itself is 10 and a half minutes long it ends when joe manages to turn a pinfall submission after a corbin choke bomb um into the kakina clutch for a technical submission before I ask you, Tom, what you thought of the um, match, I thought I'd ask you what you thought of the sign in the crowd, which read, Samoa Joe has an eight and a third chance. To quote John Road, I love it. <laughs> I was like, hello, a bit of Steiner maths going on here. <laughs> Loving this. Fair play to him, yeah. It put me in a good mood going into this match. First of all, Samoa Joe at this point is probably in the best shape, certainly his WWE career. He's lean for Samoa Joe. You know what I mean? He's 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 got a body type. He's never gonna be thin. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just not in his in his in his body type. But he looks like he's in great shape. I've always been a big fan of Samoa Joe. I love his offense. I think every movie does looks like an absolute killer. He's got this intensity that I like, and it was quite good because it felt just like a proper slugfest. This match, mm. the complete opposite what you lads were saying about the Apollo Cruise kind of stuff, where everything looks really choreographed. This just looked. Two big boys just beating the shit out of each other in the ring. And I was all for it. Um, Barry Corbs don't have the old... Uh, he, again, he's, he's failed the Titus O'Neil test, hasn't he? There's too much going on in the top half. At least he's wearing trousers. But there's mm. there's no there's no wristbands, there's no elbow pads, there's no nothing. So that's why he's never going to get over. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was quite fun. I, again, like it was... Again, not long enough to outstay its welcome is is the is one thing I'd say about it. I like the finish. I like the rear naked joke, and I kind of like the fact that Corbs don't don't tap to it. He passes out to it, which still gives him a little bit of legitimacy, and it means that he's lost to you know what a lot of people would describe as a legend, specifically within a certain realm of wrestling fans. So I thought overall it was good shit. Yeah, I I agree. I think this is, I quite like Baron Corbin to be honest. I don't really dislike him at all i don't think he's the most exciting worker in the world but this is definitely his best match i've seen and the one thing i couldn't really understand is um so they're kind of saying that in the build that old baz has run through everyone he's killing people and then they put him against joe and joe's obviously always gonna beat him like that's just gonna happen but like tommy said i liked the fact that they just beat the crap into each other and then he chokes him out rather than having him tap him like a government mule, as JR would say. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this. This is, to be honest, up to this point, when I was watching it, it's the best match so far. And you get to hear some of Joe's music twice. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, so I, I thought this match was good, actually. I thought it was better than I remembered it. And uh, Samoa Joe and Baron Corbin, they... They work well together. You're right. They was kind of a bit of a hoss battle. They kind of had a you know, nice back and forth, lots of um, stiff shots and goodness knows what else. The, there's a moment where Joe hits what you might call, might call a Pele kick. Yeah. Um, AJ Styles does. But somehow Joe doesn't quite have the same over-the-top nature to his Pele kicks. So I instead have changed it to a Mark Hughes kick. Um, <laughs> oh, that's lovely. The old scissor <laughs> kick. That's right. Yeah. Beautiful. But other than, yeah, it was a really good match for what it was. It wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. And uh, yeah, I was impressed with this. I think ultimately I wasn't at all, up, uh, you know, I, those first four matches, I'm like, they were all good. They were all fine. The Apollo Crews match was a bit 
could should have been shorter in my view should just been a squash um but overall a decent first i guess first half of this show even though we've gone four through four of the six matches and i think that's probably the best place for us to um have a break and come back in just a moment this is so cool Everybody look around because there are 15,589 of you in this building here tonight. And there are many more watching all around the world live on the WWE Network. And we are all watching for one reason, for NXT. And it feels so good, the energy is so palpable because all of us together, we are all making history right here, right now. And speaking of making history, a couple of weeks ago on Raw, I said that I wanted a diva's revolution. But make no mistake about it, that Divas Revolution started right here in NXT. With some extraordinary women who give it their all and leave everything in this ring night after night. Triple H said earlier today, he doesn't just put them in the main event, he said they are the main event. So it is my honor to introduce to you tonight's first main event for the NXT Women's Championship. NXT Women's Champion, the boss, Sasha Banks, versus the ultimate underdog, the number one contender, Bayley. Okay, welcome back. So we've got two more shows left to go. But before that, there are a couple of bits and pieces that take place. First of all, Ric Flair, Sergeant Slaughter and Kana, or Asuka, as she's now better known, um, were at ringside. Um, and then we also team, see Team Bad, Naomi and Tamina. There's a weird bit with the announcers where Rich Brennan can't seem to get Byron Saxon to respond to a number of questions that he's asking him. So he sort of asks him a question and Byron Saxon sort of looks away as if he doesn't want to answer really weird you gotta go back and watch it it's odd it's like there i wonder whether this is connected to the fact that he's no longer there there's something going on between the two of them from the way this looks i'm serious yeah. really do you think they had sex before the show and it was really awkward that could be it that could be it um just a little note on on saxy saxton i'm glad you mentioned him he's been with the company for 14 years madness yeah he was a I, member of the nxt season three crew wasn't he he was indeed You've stolen my Byron Saxton fact of the week, my Faxton of the week, if you will. <laughs> Byron Faxton. <laughs> I expect a new Faxton every single right. week from now on, old man. <laughs> Make the note. So, do you know what? Byron Saxton is, he's not awful. He is beige, isn't he? And that's what they want. Yeah. He is the kind of food that Harley Race would demolish at a buffet, isn't he? <laughs> yes. Just leave no lasting impression. Tastes all right. Instantly forgotten. Come back for more. He's going for the chicken nuggets. The old kind of slightly soft chips. If he's feeling exotic, he'll go for like the deep fried prawns. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and possibly the prawn toast. Yeah. But if that's a premium, he's not going for it. Definitely going for the veggie spring rolls. He's not paying the extra <laughs> duck ones. Fucking Arnie Race, you cheap cunt. I think I think spring rolls in general might be a bit too exotic for the highly race buffet. I think we're talking cheese and pickle sandwiches, pickled onions, pickled oh, eggs, basically pickle every fucking thing, basically. So I, oh, okay. So we're thinking of two different types of buffets then. I'm thinking of like a, like an all-you-can-eat buffet, like a Cosmo or, or a Zaza Bazaar. You're thinking like a, a buffet at christening. I'm thinking of a spread. That's what I'm yeah. thinking of. A spread. Yeah, so you're think you're thinking of like cheese and pineapple, cocktail sausages, <laughs> melted mowbrays, mini scotch eggs, as, sandwiches as if, as if, cut into triangles. As if yeah. Harley Race would seem be seen dead in Zaza Bazaar. You'll be fucking joking, haven't you? Fire so exotic in it. I'm not even no like, it's going in there. Like, I'm not eating that foreign muck. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. All right, yeah, that's that's do you know what? That's fine. So we go to one of the American ones, like a Denny's or no not Denny's, that's not one, like a Sizzler or a Ponderosa, if anybody here has been to Florida. Like you'll have one of those all you can eat buffets, I reckon. Yeah. Because they're they're Oh god, they're amazing. Yeah, oh. so maybe, but I think if he you said if he came across a spring roll, he'd be looking at it for like ten minutes. Like, what the fuck is this thing? What is this? Yeah, and he'll, he'll get it. He'll get it. He'll put it on his plate, and then he'll <laughs> he'll leave it. <laughs> he'll be like, or, or he'll bite into it. He'll bite into it and go, oh, that's, that's bloody good. That is that's bloody yeah. good. That's bloody yeah. good. As if, as if no one's ever heard of it before. Yeah. <laughs> have, you ever, have you tried one of these? <laughs> yeah. And he goes up to Sergeant Snorter, and Sergeant Snorter just goes, I don't eat that stuff. I want USA all the way. Uh, I, I'm more into my Iraq cuisine. <laughs> so then we have Stephanie McMahon come to the ring. She says that everyone here is making history. She starts to talk about the Divas revolution that is taking place on the main roster. Um, I, she says, I just stop you there, Tinky. The Divas revolution that she began... She's Sorry. very, very clear on that. Sorry. That she began it a few weeks ago. That's right. Apologies. That she yeah. began on the WWE's main roster. But she does say that the revolution started in NXT. Mm. She says that it's her honor to introduce the two competitors for the NXT women's title match, Bailey and Sasha Banks. Then we see the hype video for Bailey versus Sasha Banks. It shows the other members of the four horsewomen moving on to the main roster um, and each beating her or kind of um, attacking her at at various points during the previous however long. Could have been as much as a year, I should imagine. It shows Izzy supporting her at ringside and it shows Bailey then beating Charlotte and Becky Lynch en route to getting a title shot against Sasha Banks. I thought it was all right, but I didn't think it was amazing, actually. I was quite... I thought it was decent. It's a nice little story. What I liked about it is that it gave gave you that sports. This is how you create stories with sports presentation. And that's what I got from this was here's this person who's been trying again and again and again and failed again and again and again to hit the top, to win the title, to win the big one. She's had all these other people that she's come up with and they've all gone on to something else. And now she needs to win the, the title this is the last almost not a last chance but like feels like it might be her last chance because she keeps getting those opportunities so this was a kind of rather than a personal build even though there was a personal element mm-hmm. to it between bailey and sasha this was more about that sports presentation of someone needing to get that win that she hasn't been able to get before so this is very similar to the jericho or Ziggler match we talked about <laughs> the other week where jericho just can't win the big one 
<laughs> exactly the same. Yeah, exactly yeah. the same. You got it. Can I just call to what the Stephanie ran that summarise? Fuck off. <laughs> got nothing to do with this. Don't show up trying to fucking give yourself the rub. You know what I mean? And then try and take the credit from the tremendous work that some of these some of these women women have put in. You know what I mean? I just don't don't like it. Just fuck off. I must say it does seem very odd because she like a joke to her, like she does say the Divas Revolution that I started, but there is this just doesn't make sense because she's like, Oh, and it's the first time women have ever co main evented. <laughs> and it's like they're not main evented. They're not main evented. They're second from last, which is incredible. And let's not be around the fucking bush. They blow the fucking main event out of the fucking water. Like embarrassingly so. And yeah, it's just really weird. Just don't bother. Don't bother, Stephanie. You don't need to. And she comes out to her awful music as well. This is just. <laughs> Do you know what would have got Stephanie even more? Would have been if she changed her entrance music to "You're Not Enough for Me." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're Not Enough for Me. That that would have been amazing. Whose music was that again? I've forgotten. Shell McCall's. Yeah, see, I think we just have to accept that anytime we see Stephanie, really, or Triple H, between 2012 and 2016, we're just going to fucking get pissed off for them because they're always trying to take everything that's good and make it about them and make it as if they are involved or they came up with it. And it's still going on now. Triple H still has itself pictured with every fucking NXT person who wins a title. It just does my head in. Like, fuck off. Always with the two yeah. sweet signs. Wow. Yeah. This isn't all you, right? This is about other people let them have the moment you don't need to have the moment you're not the company isn't relying on you to make them any money fuck off out of it uh, it just does my head in and this is just another case of it. it i think it's also this though this in particular is a classic case of stephanie not having any she's got such a lack of self-awareness it's unbelievable yeah. anyway i want to get past it because it's a, this is this is special, this match. This next match is special. It is 18 minutes and 20 seconds in length. It's for the NXT Women's Championship. It ends when both competitors are battling on top of the uh, turnbuckle and Bailey manages to hit a reverse runner from the top and then hits the Bailey to Bailey to get the pinfall. Um, I've skipped over all the stuff in the middle because I imagine that's what we're going to talk about next. Old man, let's start with you. No, you go first, Tinky. As a as a special treat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. You deserve um, it. You, de- you deserve it. <laughs> you deserve it. So yeah, I mean what what can I say? This is just it's fantastic. This is awesome. <laughs> oh sorry, sorry, I, I went too far. <laughs> we want tables. <laughs> um thankfully that chant doesn't appear in this match but it does appear in the next match and we'll get to it yeah well i mean what can i say this is this is just excellent it is just a really really excellent match tom you wanted to guess at the moment where i looked up from my laptop the first time i watched this and thought hang on this is special i think it's the uh submission when uh when sasha banks has got bailey in the bank statement and Bailey's going for the ropes and Sasha Banks starts stomping on her hand. That is exactly the moment. That is exactly the moment. It's just absolutely fucking brilliant. And I, the number of times during this match, I had goosebumps. I was like, this is so good. Like, it's, the fans are just so in, like intently watching this match and so caught up in the moment about who's going to win and how this is going to go. This is not just a bunch of fans waiting to be entertained. This is a bunch of fans really really caring about the result and that is the whole point 
for me that even if there is a split crowd even if they don't necessarily always follow the baby face or always follow the heel the whole crowd are intent on this match in terms of i need to see who wins it i need to see what happens here and they play out just a, such a great match from the very beginning when they're kind of they're just sort of like punching the hell out of each other right through the bits where sasha Banks starts working on bailey's hand and arm which then as she as said tom feeds into the brilliant moment when the bank statement's on and bailey's trying to reach the rope and bank starts stamping on her hand then she uses the other hand to grab the rope and at that point sasha banks kicks off the rope to almost reapply the bank statement and for half a second you're like it's over because she's got the bank statement on which is would be a perfectly like that's a finish that is a that is an established finish you know the idea that she's managed to re reapply it but back into the center of the ring but in this occasion bailey manages to reverse it that's a major moment because the fans are like this is going to be the end it isn't the end they go through so many different bits there where towards the end where you're just like this this could be the finish it was just as i say i had goosebumps nearly all the way through like multiple moments during the match and then the end where she does the reverse rana which it hasn't been done very much in wwe at all but at this point i'm not sure i'd ever seen it in wwe i'd seen it loads of times in japan and in independent promotions and stuff but i'm not sure i'd ever seen it in wwe this time and if i had it hadn't been many times at all they really hadn't done that move very much in the past so to see it here was just one of those moments just like wow yeah and then bailey wins and it's one of those it's one of those moments. It's like the Ultimate Warrior beating the Honky Tonk Man kind of moment where they've won a match and everyone's happy. Everyone's really glad. Two things I want to talk about that happen after the match. The first is a really positive. The second is not so positive. After the match, they run through the highlights. And one of the highlights is when Sasha Banks jumps off the top rope and hits her knees into Bailey's kind of chest and shoulders. And they got the perfect camera angle for it so it's absolutely about the move itself but in the background you can see team bad in the crowd and tamina is going out of her mind like hoping because she's sasha banks part of team bad that sasha's gonna win and she's like jumping up and down like go on one pin pin and like and it was like she's either absolutely allowing herself to get caught up in this or she's doing a brilliant job of selling the importance of this to her as a member of team bad and I just like to do that in the crowd is incredible. Based on experience of watching Timmy in a cell, I'm going to say that she actually got caught up in it, which is absolutely, maybe it doesn't it doesn't make it any less impressive or brilliant. Yeah. But based based on seeing Tamina in the ring, I do think that's <laughs> Maybe, maybe. But as I said, I was just blown away by it because it was just like they weren't as the camera angle wasn't there to show Team Bad. They're too far in the distance. It's not they're not focused on them, but you can see them. And Tamina is like going out of her mind, hoping that she'll win. The thing that's not so great, and I'm not going to allow it to detract from the match, but I don't like the aftermath. So I don't mind Charlotte and Becky coming to the ring and celebrating with Bailey, even though during the promo video, we've seen them both attack Bailey at various times during the previous year. So I was a bit like, well, that's not quite right, but okay. But then Sasha Banks gets straight in the ring afterwards and shakes her hand and hugs her. And I'm like, no, that should not have happened. You've broken the wall, the wall of this universe. And I know that they're all friends and they want to have their moment. They can do that backstage after after the match. They do not need to do that here. I'm being unfair to other matches in that I'm not allowing it to affect my enjoyment of the match. Because really, 
that should have massively undercut what they'd just done, which is a really personal war where, you know, Sasha Banks has done that thing with the arm. <laughs> After all, like that that moment where she's stomping the arm, that should preclude them from doing anything like this after the match. You shouldn't be allowed. They should never allow them to go there. But they just ignore what they've done. And it annoys me greatly that they did that. I know they wanted their four horsewomen moment in the ring, but I think it was a big mistake. I think it was a bad, bad move. But I, as I said, I'm not going to allow it to affect my enjoyment of the match because the match is is special for me. I'll go into my my bit about the match, but I want to I want to kind of touch on this bit because I noted this as well. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it didn't it didn't bother me that much. What did bother me though was how long it went on for because I could I could have done with. Charlotte and Becky coming down to celebrate. Sasha Banks getting up, quick handshake, quick four horsewoman picture, and then the three of them, the three being Sasha, Charlotte, and and Becky Lynch, fuck off and give the ring to Bailey so that she can have her moment in the ring celebrating in front of them as the champion. And it's kind of I felt like it meant that her victory was somewhat undercut because of the importance or the you know the perceived importance of of the match you know, and of the moment rather than it being about her winning the title. So I didn't mind it as much as you think. The, the only thing is I just wish it was a little bit shorter, clear the ring and give Bailey her moment in the middle of the ring to celebrate as a champion. Because I felt like the um, the kind of four horse woman, woman celebration of it overshadowed the title victory a little bit. So I hate this kind of shit. I absolutely hate it. I don't mind it here because I think it's with the benefit of hindsight as well, is that I think this is such a seminal moment in the company where you have got four women that would go on to just change women's wrestling in WWE pretty much forever, I think. So I give them a pass on that. And I also love the fact that Sasha Banks is still selling her neck. She's still holding her neck through most of it. They do have the little moment with the handshake and the cuddle. I can't hate it because I'm a big fan of Sasha Banks and Bailey in particular, but I can understand why people wouldn't like it. If it hadn't been this match, I'd have given it a much harder time, even in my own mind. I think you're right in a, in a sense, but I think there's a, there's a couple of other things here. Like I think had they had it so that Sasha Banks got in the ring and they kind of, there was a bit of will they, won't they shake hands, you know, rather than she just goes straight in, shakes hands as if they've been, they've always been friends. So they basically just ignored what they've just done. If they come in and she kind of had the title belt and she kind of angrily sort of look, looked angrily and then kind of held the belt out and shook her hand and raised her arm, that would have been better. But she just comes straight in as if, oh, see what we just did? That was amazing, wasn't it? That was amazing. I'm like, don't do not do that. Don't take yourself. Mm. And if you, and not only that, but don't forget the next NXT TakeOver, they headline again against each other in the, for the title. And I think if you're going to do it, do it then. Have the other yeah. two come out then and celebrate with you. It just, it didn't sully the match. It didn't even make a dent, but... I'm being I'm being kind to it because it should have done mm. in my in my mind. I like the idea of, of uh, Sasha Banks doing the Hogan to the Rock at WrestleMania 18. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> oh, God, that's it. This is amazing, isn't it? Let's be honest. I think Tinky, you've covered it wonderfully. This is, I think, I was having a little think about this after. I think this is the best women's match I've ever seen, like, ever. I don't think anything that any of them have done since have reached it. I think they've got close a couple of times. Like, they do the uh, Iron Woman match, I think it is, in the main event at the next TakeOver. And I'm an enormous fan of the Sasha Banks-Bianca Belair match at WrestleMania. But I think that this is just a 
fuck me. That's basically all it is. That's all I got. You know how I said something's not bad, it's good? <laughs> well, this is incredible, and that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get matches, and then you get matches. Yeah. Matches. This is one of those matches. <laughs> <laughs> so I, this is, Tinky's got his little dirty list that he keeps of recommended yeah. matches. I don't have that. I have a different sort of list. But this would be right at the top of my dirty list. Sorry, my wrestling list. <laughs> Not to be confused with the dirty list. Although, to be fair, probably. I was thinking about the dirty list earlier. Yeah. Was, and you could either call it the list of Tinky mm-hmm. in, in reference to your favourite wrestler, Chris Jericho. <laughs> or you could go off-piece and put Spindler's list. Oh, that's lovely. Which I think that would be great. Uh, honestly, I've probably heard that said to me about 5,000 times that particular joke. And also, there used to be, I don't know if you've ever seen them, and I don't know, I may have even mentioned this on this podcast before. I've certainly mentioned it on a podcast before. There are a brand of lifts called Schindler's Lifts. And I don't know if the company was created after the film or the film was created or what, but if it wasn't, it's it's a brutally brilliant piece of Mm. marketing. I remember when we. I think I remember the time that I remember being aware of it was in the casino in town, Tinky. And I'm pretty sure you may have been in there with me at the same time, being like Schindler's Lifts. <laughs> you really? That's tremendous. Work. See, the, the best thing about that is you know that if you two were in the casino together, probably had a few beers. So I get. I bet. I bet it was the funniest thing you'd ever heard. Definitely. Or right, sorry. We wouldn't have just had a few beers. We'd also would have been pretty tired because it would already been quite late as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, uh, hang on, hang on. How did you manage to read the sign when you'd have probably been getting off with each other in the lift? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just a sly bit of side eye. That's all. Yeah, that's multitasking, baby. Multitasking. I, had to break, I had to break it off just to talk about it. <laughs> no, no, the trouble is, is you did break it off. You're like, <laughs> Tom, do you want to tell us about the match? <laughs> yeah, please. Thanks, old man. Fuck me. Interrupting. Well, if you need some getting off with Tinky and lifts, there'd be no problem. <laughs> Me. We paid Daniel Bryan to stand in the corner and wank. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a callback, bitches. To an episode that I wasn't even on. Um, so um, there's a couple of bits in this. So I, I something I noticed throughout my um throughout my note taking of it, everything is pretty much focused on things that like Sasha does. But then I kind of and I, I was watching. And I, I've always been a big fan of Sasha Banks, and I was like, um, I don't know if I'm just being biased, but it's. It's it takes two to tango, doesn't it? Is the old expression. And the reason things look so effective and why these moments are so good is because of the way that Bailey plays off against against things that Sasha Banks does, which makes us so tremendous. There's a bit of the, the bit at the beginning where you can see Sasha Banks is trying not to smile because she's evidently a big wrestling fan, as we all know, and is obviously feel, starting to feel the emotion of the match and thinking this is amazing. And then she starts laughing and starts mocking Bailey. And it's like one of those things, it's a great, it might not be on the cuff, it might be tremendous work from her, but that's what it looks like to me. She looks like she's there, about to almost break and like, like almost kind of tear up because, and then she switches and starts mocking her. I think that's a brilliant, a brilliant little like twist at the beginning of the match. One thing I did find odd about the match was hearing Sasha being referred to as a diva because she had gone up to the main roster at this point, was still divas. And just hearing that in 2021, this felt a bit odd, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And most of the things that, that I wanted to talk about have been have been spoken about by you guys in, in very good detail. 
Um, but there was an incredible somersault dive by Sasha Banks at one point in it over the referee mm. onto Bailey, which is absolutely brilliant. The hand stuff, as you said, Tinky, is amazing. She gets her um, hand, takes a tape off of Bailey's hand, throws her in the ring, throws her back outside, wedges her arm into her hand in between the stairs, and kicks it, and it looks savage. It's just it, that stuff is brilliant. But she breaks her hand, doesn't she? She actually breaks her hand, apparently. Oh, doing really? this. Yeah, so she says on the uh, Stone Cold interview oh, that she did on the network, yeah, she legitimately breaks her hand. Well, maybe that's because they're working the right arm and hand, not the left. Ah, interesting. I noticed it and I was like, that is definitely different. But they are, yeah, definitely working the right all the way through. Uh, yeah, the, my favourite bit in the match is that submission exchange. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So the reverse runner that you were talking about, Tinky, I, I'm i not a fan of that move in the slightest. Now, but weirdly, I don't mind it off the top rope. Well, it gives it a bit more space, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. I've seen people do it. I've, se- I've seen Sasha Banks take it in, in a match like it on, on the ground and it's terrifying because mm. it just looks like they land on the head i hate it but i don't mind off the top rope so i'll give it a pass in this match the biggest thing out of it, it you said it earlier about the warrior beating a hunk top man i'd even equate it to daniel bryan beating mm. beating triple h then and then winning the title mm. wrestlemania 30 the 100 percent the right person wins the match and that doesn't happen often enough and it's rare and it means so much more when it happens unequivocally bailey had to win that match the idea of her not winning it is unthinkable. And I'm really glad they didn't try and swerve or put a fast one over us because that would have done a disservice to what would have been a tremendous match. If Sasha Banks won that match by the end of it, it would still be an incredible match, but it would lose so much of the impact because Bailey has to win that match. Yeah, I think that this is a really good point as well, that it's classic wrestling booking, is that you go into a show with a match that people really care about and they know the result beforehand but they want it so much that they have to see it and they can still are still worried it might not happen yeah but i think the swerves that we've seen in the past take away from that feeling because and it's the is the reason why hogan was such a big draw and probably austin for most of the time and certainly cena too in terms of his fans that the fans could be almost guaranteed they see their hero win and they wanted to see their hero win. So they were always going to pay because they wanted to see them win. They didn't want to see them lose. So they were almost always guaranteed that they would win. But you just put the doubt in their mind so that the entertainment's still there. But more often than not, you deliver because you know that the fans want to see that. And that's what happens here is that everyone, well, everyone, there was obviously people chanting for Sasha Banks, but the majority of people go in this match. They know Bailey's going to win. And that's comforting because they really want her to win, but they want to see it. They have to see it. And that's why it's such a draw. It's also absolutely brutal. Like you, We've talked about the hand stuff and that. It feels incredibly real to a way that, from my point of view, women's wrestling hadn't for a very long time. And that's why, like, going back to the little bit at the end, I think that's why I give it a pass, because it does feel like this is, like, a changing of styles. I completely forgotten that Sasha Banks was in Team Bad. Yeah. Because I, I was very confused as to why they were in the crowd. I was like, well, wait a get back in the bloody changing rooms, you lot. Have a gap. I, I get think... Get on the gap. Come on. My final thought on this match is that this is in my top ten. Of all time. Definitely, definitely yeah. It's so good. And I think it might be the best match that we've reviewed. Oh, hang on. Mark Henry Viscera. What? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's close number number, close number two, that is. But I, think, I can't think of a match that I think of be, as being as 
technically good, as emotionally invested in, and as important in the long run of wrestling that I can remember. I think you guys were talking the other week about SummerSlam 97 and how important that Bret Hart and Undertaker match is. But I obviously wasn't here for that, so I'm not including that. I think the only other one is Daniel Bryan Triple H in the first match of WrestleMania 30. Yeah. But um, I, I don't, I wouldn't argue with it. The other, the other thing is that they're just, the two characters are just so different. They're just so perfectly different, complete opposites, which is great. And also, after we've had Apollo Crews and Samoa Joe's amazing music, these two have got fantastic music as well. Yeah. And we even get a couple more in the main event. So I, uh, the music going on here is wonderful. Yeah. Love it. So after this match, Seth Rollins is shown in the crowd with his wife slash girlfriend, don't know which mm. one, of the time. She doesn't look very happy. Well, so this is the lady that he was allegedly cheating on. And uh, me and Tom saw those lovely pictures of the underside of his dick that he'd taken. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So for the listeners, this is something that gets mentioned every now and then. And I... I always find it hilarious how weirded out Tom is to see the underside of a man's dick. I don't want to see most men's dick, but the the underside is a very particularly odd angle to view it from. <laughs> what i like is that the the, those photos um they were posted to his social media account we don't i I believe possibly by his girlfriend of the time who was trying to i think she's doing it because he'd cheated on her and he was trying to show she was trying to show these but i don't know what it was i didn't understand it but whatever the case they were posted to seth rollins social media account and all of their social media accounts automatically update the wwe website so the underside of his dick was on the wwe website for a a, a short period of time tinky you have a very good knowledge of the underside of seth rollins dick in his pictures (laughs) and don't say you've done your research because we all know you don't do any research it's got nothing to do with research mate this is i've been researching his dick (laughs) (laughs) for years you just googled rollins underside dick <laughs> hashtag WWE for life. Indeed. Hashtag then now forever. So then we get um some footage which of Triple H from earlier on in the night where he announces that later in the year NXT will be in the UK and we'll do a takeover in the UK. Um and then we get the hype video for Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens. I just let's say how fair play to this crowd gives show again how up they are for anything NXT because they're like we're gonna do a show that none of you are probably going to go to because it's in a completely different country and it's going to be yeah. a what annoying time for you to watch. And everyone's like, yes, come on. It's, it, this is a really interesting one, though. This I've been thinking because, no, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because I was watching uh, AEW the other week and they announced something that's going to happen on a show in the future. But none of the people in the in, in the crowd are going to see it because it's another city. And yeah. I just thought... Why do they ever do this? Like, what are they expecting mm. people to go mad for? Because, like, they're not going to get to see it. it. They also make a big deal of the fact that it's somewhere else. Like, it's not that they just go next week. They say next week when we're in a different city. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do this. It's just really weird. I'll tell you who's fired up by this, though. Byron Saxton. He is incredibly amped up for that tour. When uh, when they come back to him, it's almost like he's been on the old gang. Which, you know what? Byron Gaxton. It's good to see the Gak is back front and centre yeah. in the old man's mind as we go through the show. So we get the hype video for Finn Balor and Kevin Owens, the main event of the night. Um, we see footage of Balor beating Owens at Beast in the East for the NXT title. Um, Owens says that Japan was a fluke and requests a ladder match rematch, which I think is a bit strange because they, they, they explain it away by the fact that Finn Balor has apparently never been in a ladder match in his career and Kevin Owens has been in many. But all the same... 
I still think when you look at the two of them, you don't want to face the uber athletic Finn Balor in a ladder match if you're Kevin Owens. No. Doesn't make I, any sense to me that he would request this. But Bill's so fucking flimsy. Yeah. He's written on the back of a piece of shitty toilet paper. <laughs> but it's, having said that, the, vid, the promo video is quite well put together, as you'd expect. I've been a little bit meh coming into this match. I'm not going to lie. After having just watched the masterpiece that we've seen mm. and coming into this match with... Kevin Owens, who, as I've said on this podcast, I've, I've always quite liked, but Finn Balor, who's always kind of flattered to deceive for me, never really, I've never really particularly found him interesting. Even the even the demon kind of gimmick got a bit old hat after a while. I mean, I'd be intri- I'd be very interested to hear from either of you guys. Probably, probably thinking because I don't know if you would have seen any of this, any of um, Finn Balor's kind of New Japan stuff or any of the independent stuff, but. I'd be interested to, to hear from people or any of the listeners what he's actually like outside of a WWE ring because he's never really done it for me. And he's in terrible shape. <laughs> Horrendous. I, I don't really... I haven't seen a lot of stuff outside of WWE. I've seen one or, like, one or two matches when he was in progress and that's about it. But like as far as I can tell, again, much like I was talking about when we talked about Alistair Black a little while ago, what you see is what Finn Balor does. I just think in WWE, you need something else than just really impressive visual wrestling. And I'm not saying that that means that it's easier to do that really impressive visual wrestling. In fact, it's probably harder to do what Finn Balor does, for example, overall than what The Miz does. But The Miz could never make it in Japan, for example. It just wouldn't happen. And I think ultimately Finn Balor's skill set isn't quite doesn't transfer as well over to WWE as perhaps some would hope hope it would do. But I've made this point myself many, many times. I just think that he's an incredibly interesting look and a really interesting person to watch. And then he gets in the ring and I'm left like completely underwhelmed by what he does. And that's how I feel about Finn Balor. And that's kind of, to be honest, how I came into this match and how I felt after the match finished, if I'm being honest. It was all right. I thought the match was fine. There's a couple of things about it that I liked initially that I will say. I did, I did enjoy the demon entrance, I must admit, because it's been a while since I've seen one. And I did think it was quite cool. And again, I do love the fact that the crowd are always so into it. But all the notes I've got pretty much aren't about the actual match. I like the bit of the beginning when, when the demon entrance is going on and Kevin Owens is just sat in, in a chair by the announce table, completely nonplussed by it, mm-hmm. which I thought was some great, great work from him. I like the fact there's a spotlight over the belt that's suspended. And I don't know if that happens in all ladder matches, but it was something that I definitely noticed yeah. in this one. I thought it was quite a nice touch because, again, it's shining a light on the importance of the match. And also, in contrast to main roster ladder matches, I love the fact that there aren't fucking millions of ladders. They have one ladder that's on the ramp and they pull another one out from underneath the ring at some point and that's it. There's not millions of ladders flying around. There's one bit in it that I did really like, which is it completely, again, in contrast to what you guys said about the Apollo Crews match. And you also mentioned it, I think, in the in maybe the Ziggler match, I think, or man, you mentioned it when you were saying it, there's a bit in it that looked a bit messy. Mm. Not Ziggler, fuck me. Um, the Breeze match that looked a bit yeah. messy. And that happens in this match. There's a bit when um, when Finn Balor is ascending up the ladder and Kevin Owens grabs him and he literally just drags him down. Finn Balor ends up, I think, like, just like stomping on him. And then that starts off like a new range of offense. But I just thought that was quite cool. It showed like the desperation that Kevin Owens has. He hasn't got the energy or he hasn't got the, the nose at that time to actually kind of set up an exchange of moves with him. But I just thought that that was quite a nice touch. There's a bit in the match which 
isn't necessarily a criticism specifically of this match, but it's something they do in WWE all the time. When they take the little cover off of the announce table and hit yeah. with it, looks like the flimsiest thing in the entire world. Yeah. It is absolute nonsense, and I hate it when they do it because it just looks shit. And I'm not quite sure. And they always try and open the commentary team, always sell it like it's a massive thing. There's another bit that involves Finn Balor being pulled off the ladder, and he gets pulled off the ladder into a powerbomb, which is quite a cool spot as well in it. But then, yeah, Finn Balor just climbs up the ladder, gets the belt, that's the end of, the, end of it. And I was just thoroughly like, it was fine. It wasn't offensive, but it wasn't particularly good. Like, great, in my opinion. It just happened. They got, they, they got these matches around the wrong way. Yeah, so the, just to quickly fill in, the end sees Owens, Kevin Owens set up a ladder between the ladder that stood up and the turnbuckle, so it's almost horizontal between the two. He then attempts to suplex Balor onto it, but Balor manages to escape. He Balor pushes Owens' head into the ladder, which causes Owens to drop down onto the ladder, which is horizontal. And then Balor then decides to hit the coup de grace from the top of the ladder onto Owens and then climb up to win the belt which the coup de gras is a move that i can't help but think always looks like it's fucking agony to take <laughs> i get winded just thinking about it it's been a little bit yeah i've been i've been trying I, when i was watching it because he does it a couple of times in the match i tried to figure out how they do it the only thing I, I think is that he tries to sort of cushion the blow of his feet by bending his knees as he <laughs> hits the person but even then i'm like from the top of the ladder, I'm not sure how much you could do to stop it from hurting, yeah. to be honest. I mean, Kevin Owens is, is, a, is, a, is a lad who's clearly made of sturdy stuff because he takes quite a few bumps onto ladders. And we've seen, even as recently as the most recent Money in the Bank match, which I which I watched, he's not afraid of taking a bump onto a ladder. Um, so I reckon he could probably take it. I can't imagine him doing that on, I don't know, fucking Rey Mysterio or something like that. You know I mean, it'd probably kill, kill the poor lad. But... <laughs> Yeah, overall summary, main event's fine, but that that's it really for me. Yeah, when they started this, I was a bit like you, Tom. I wasn't particularly excited by this, but they do a lovely little thing where um, Kevin Owens goes out, goes a couple of times to try and get a ladder, and Balor stops him because obviously the whole point is is that Balor hasn't been in a ladder match, so he doesn't really know how to go about it. And that's kind of like a nice little angle. And I thought, oh, they're going to have a match. They're going to have a match, and then much. Further down the line, the ladder is going to become involved, and it's not going to be a cheap spot fest. But it doesn't carry on that way, unfortunately. So Owens basically takes all of the big bumps. He is, and they obviously are trying to make Balor look pretty bloody good here. Because I must say that I think I watched this differently than I would have without having spoken to you boys about Finn Balor before. Because I am very much on the side of Tinky where I watch him and I, I've always thought he was okay, but it never really clicked with me that he is much like The Fiend was. He is a great character and like obviously he was the demon and the demon couldn't get beaten and then the demon got beaten. So that's gone. You've lost that. That was obviously much further down the line after this, but he's not just not very exciting in the ring and he's got, he does a move called the Sling Blade, which looks like, I don't even know what it is, to be honest. He kind of jumps over the top of them and pulls them to the floor. That's it. And he doesn't do a whole lot else. And I think, unfortunately, in spite of the effort, because don't get me wrong, these lads work hard. But I think the crowd think the same as me, in that this just isn't very exciting. And to my point about Apollo Crews earlier, I think the same with Balor. 
I think everything seems very pre-planned and everything that Owens does is really ragged and it looks like it hurts. It looks like when he lands, it looks like it hurts. It just looks so much more realistic than anything Balor does. And I think the two just don't work at all together. And it's just really a really flat end to the show, I think. And I don't get it because Kevin Owens has obviously been on the main roster and he's come back. He's lost his title, then he wants to get his title back for some reason. And then you know he's buggering off again to the main roster. It doesn't really make any sense. I don't really get it and it's not very good. And I think that was the main theme running through it is that they're working hard, but this just isn't very good. I think it is very good, which is weird for me because I don't love Finn Balor, as I've just said. And Mm. I did. I remember watching this match at the time not being interested at all, to be honest. Mm. Maybe part of it is that all the emotion has just come out of everybody from the previous match. And I think what you said, Tom, is right. They probably did it the wrong way around. Ultimately, they should have had that in the main event and this should have come before that. Although, given that they're doing loads of high spots and whatnot, I can I guess that they were concerned that that might have the opposite effect on the Bailey-Sasha Banks match. Mm. I think that it's a really good match. I think they do loads of really good stuff. To revisit what I'm saying about Finn Balor is I just don't care whether he wins or loses. There's no emotion for me with Finn Balor. He's cool. He looks really cool. The moves he does look very graceful and and very exciting. But there's nothing underneath that. There's just no I've never got any reason to care about him. So and and that's probably the thing I want to say about these two matches in ways that I think Finn Balor and Kevin Owens is technically a better match. Like the stuff they do is technically better. But there's no emotion. Mm. All the emotion is in the Bailey Sasha Bank match. And that match is phenomenal because of the emotion. The, there's no story in this match either. It's just spot to spot to spot. They're yeah. great spots. They are great spots. And they do some excellent things, some really exciting stuff, some really smooth transitional stuff. It is excellent. There's just no emotion. There's nothing, there's no blood going to it. It's just, it's just technically good but that's it and it's the kind of match that i think maybe wrongly but every match i've ever seen of finn balor's feels the same way like i don't really care if he wins i don't really care if he loses he comes out love the entrance love the entrance this time as well mm. the demon entrance that was great but i beyond that i'm like okay now we'll set it in for what will be an undeniably technically impressive match but one that i have no emotion or invest investment in at all so that was a really good match. I just didn't really care about it, which is probably a contradiction in terms. It isn't obviously as good as the match that come before, but you know what could be. Well, that was an amazing and amazing match, and this is a diff. That is a difficult match to follow as fair as well. In yes. fairness to them, so you know they have they have got it difficult there. So I I really like the match, but I just there is that that disconnect for me for Finn Balor's matches. Yeah, and also like the crowd is so into Owens, and the fact that you know that he's not winning this is not helpful at all. And also, I don't think in the long run, because I think the end's quite flimsy, actually. Like, obviously, it bloody hurts going onto a ladder. But it feels like for Finn Balor to win, he should have got loads from this. He should have got absolutely loads from it. And I just don't feel that, whether they just weren't able to capitalise on it. But I can't remember Finn Balor really being champion. And I was watching all the takeovers. I wasn't watching the weekly product, but... I think um, the other thing I will say about it is I said this during the previous NXT show we watched is that I just think that they are better off focusing on the women and the tag teams in NXT. Mm. It's just more interesting to me than the, the single male stuff. Yeah. This is what was happening. Bailey and Sasha Banks 
was the thing that was super hot and super over it should have been event. it simple as that okay so let's give our overall thoughts our scores out of 10 our mvp our match of the night tom let's start with you so uh overall score i'm gonna give this a it's a tough one because i was i was thinking of an eight if i'm being honest i, I was gonna go eight but the fact is, I think that the Ty Dillinger match uh, uh, versus Apollo Crews isn't, isn't great. And I think I wasn't massively hot on the main event. I think I'm going to go with seven, I think. The card's, the card's good overall. There's nothing bad about it at all. Um, oh, fuck it, no, I'm going for an eight. And I'll tell you why. I'll change my mind. Um, there's there's nothing bad about the card at all, apart from the annoying Stephanie Van bit. And the main event is, oh, the, the co-main event is so good that it's, it's pushed it up. So I reckon this will probably be a six, but with that match or seven, that match goes up to an eight. So that's what I would score this one. A perfect eight. <laughs> My match of the night is uh, Apollo Crews versus... Lovely. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly, it's clearly the, the uh, Sasha Banks-Bailey match. It's a fucking masterpiece, as I've already said. And my MVP of the night, I'm going to go for... I don't know. This is, this is a tough one. I'm struggling with this because it feels I because I back myself into a corner by saying that you can't have two people. As yes, you bloody have. Never would, forget that. It would be Sasha Banks and Bailey, but in lieu of that, I am going to go with the guy who had the Samoa Joe has an eight percent chance of winning. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a that's a big come down. I, you know, I mean, it's either Bailey or Sasha Banks, but as I can't give them to both of them, it's got to be the man with the Samoa Joe sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this is really patchy with one absolutely sparkling little star. And I got to be honest, overall, pretty disappointed. And I think everything is very throwaway and wouldn't have been out of place on the weekly show, which I do think that regardless of the product, like as in NXT or the main roster stuff, it shouldn't feel like that. Not to the volume that it does. It's like Barry Corbin and Samoa Joe, as much as I enjoyed that, probably just a weekly show match, Dillinger and Cruz, and also the tag match as well, just doesn't really feel like anything. The main event, like I've said, they don't really do anything for me, but I really enjoyed the opener along with the women's match. So obviously match of the night is Banks and Bailey. I'm going to give this a six out of 10 because I, I've started rating them on whether I would have watched them again from start to finish. And I don't think I would watch this again because I don't think it's very good. But my MVP is Tyler Breeze selfie stick. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just a bit of fun at the start and I really enjoyed it. And again, this um this kind of fed into another show. I can't remember the show that we were watching, but there isn't a whole lot of fun going on here. Everything is very serious. And I think when you've got such a personal match with the two ladies, I think you need a little bit more fun. And only the selfie stick gave me the fun. So I'm giving this show an 8 out of 10. Um, I thought that before we did the recording. I don't think I've changed my mind in any way. My MVP is Bailey uh, because it's her night. Let's, let's mm-hmm. be honest, it's her night. The result, from a result perspective, is her night. That's obviously the match of night as well. I give it an 8 because I think, for me, the main event, the actual main event, the, men, the, the men's title match, was, I think, a really good match. And I think then it's backed up by an exceptional match underneath it. The two, if you are considering this a co-main event, and as I said before, I weight very heavily on how good the main event is. The two main events deliver for me, absolutely, unquestionably deliver. So everything beyond, everything below that doesn't matter that much. And to be honest, none of it's bad. 
the Jushin Liger stuff is fun to have Jushin Liger on the show. I did think the Baron Corbin Smojo match was better than I thought it was going to be. Yes, the tag team match was a bit forgettable, and Apollo Crews tied in was what it was just to introduce Apollo Crews. So I don't, have, I'm not going to hold anything against it. So yeah, for me, good show and. Those two main events you know, were excellent. And in particular, that women's title match is just, as I say, something very, very special indeed. Just one last thing before we get to the game today to remind you to give us a review, a rating, a follow or whatever counts for showing your appreciation on whatever podcasting service you listen to this on. So it's yeah. time for the game and um, got an NXT themed game for you today. Oh, yeah. He's just an NXT boy. Uh, 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 uh. Shafted on the last NXT game. You did indeed, but I don't think you'll get shafted what? on this. Hang game. on, by getting something wrong. By the question not being very good. Oh, all right. Sorry, boys. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Forfeit. 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 Win. Fuck <laughs> off, old man. I tell you what, you've got, old man, just like Sapphire, or Sapphire, as she was known during that show, you've got 30 seconds to declare yourself back in, otherwise you forfeit. Oh, wait, oh, man. oh man, you, you decided to not play the game And that's fine <laughs> <laughs> So, the game this week I want you to name for me Men or women NXT title holders uh, Just the world championship or just, tag. just the main title Men or women So I don't want any North American Any tag team Any of that bullshit Just the main men or women titles Singles titles uh, Tom, why don't you go first? Uh, Neville! <laughs> <laughs> yes, Adrian Neville, indeed. Kevin Owens! Who are we uh, impersonating now? <laughs> and that's how they introduce him now, when he has a match. It's always Owens! <laughs> can, we also, can we also agree that because apparently it's Owens after Owen Hart, there should be Owen. <laughs> uh... Bo Selector Dallas. Yes. Uh, Champa. Tommaso Champa. Tommaso Champa is correct. Um, Samuel Zane. Sammy Zane, absolutely. Samuel Joe. No one knows a Sam like old man. Nah. Go on, Sam. Um, Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode, correct. Bobby Roode. Uh, Bailey. Indeed, Bailey. Sasha Banks. Yep. Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is correct. Um, Charlotte. Charlotte Flair. Uh, hmm. I'm taking a chance here with Paige. Paige is correct. Yes. I'm going to say how many were left. Ember Moon is correct. Asuka. Yes. Uh, yes. Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke Nakamura is correct. Adam Cole. Bay Bay. <laughs> is correct. Uh, Andrade. Yes, Andrade Cien that's Almas. A, that's an excellent answer. Um, shit, has Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is correct. Um, Killian Dane. Is that someone? <laughs> it's someone. It's, someone. <laughs> it's not an NXT champion, no. unfortunately. I, I was trying to think of the person who holds it now, and that's all I can think of. <laughs> Killian Dane. That <laughs> is uh, the guy who. Killian Dane is Nikki Cross's husband, I believe. Right. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So I only had Alistair Black. Yes, Alistair Black. 
Um, you, neither of you said Finn Balor, of course, who was champion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, that's how <laughs> shit house he was. Um, but yeah, Alistair Black was right. So you win, old man. There are four men you didn't get and five women. Right. The five women is that Emma? Nope. Bob Carroll cheese. <laughs> no. No Bob Carroll cheese. <laughs> the crankies. <laughs> yeah, no, they yeah. were tag team champions. I told you they were tag team champions. Um, so, uh, Sue Pollard. <laughs> uh, did, uh, did what's his name win it? Uh, Champers, mate. Uh, Johnny Gargano. Gargano. Yeah. Johnny Gargano is indeed a former NST men's mm. champion. The other three men were Keith Lee. Oh. Current champion Carrion Cross. Yeah, that's that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, of course, he might not be current champion by the time we this mm. this goes out, but he is currently the champion. And the other one you didn't get from the men is Biggie Langston. Big E, Largey. Largey. Yeah. Then the women. So we have current champion as a time of recording, Raquel Gonzalez. That's it. Uh, Kyrie Sane. Oh, yeah, the Sainster. Io Shirai. Shiraister. Rhea Ripley. Ripster. And, and Shayna Baszler. Baszler. And it's Shayna Blazer. Shayna Blazer, that's right. Shana and she's Blazer. got a championship blazer on. Shayna Blue Blazer. Oh, lovely. That's um, what her real name is. Well done, old man. Good work, mate. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, Before we go... I wanted to. I was thinking about it, so I'm shamelessly ripping this off from another podcast. The Football Ramble is the podcast, and they've got a game called Port Portmanteau Conte. So, you guys know what Portmanteau is? I think so, based on what you've just said. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm going to give you two people from the field of professional wrestling. I'm going to mm-hmm. give you a clue about each, and I want you to figure out what the Portmanteau is. Okay. Okay. So. I am a founding member of the Four Horsemen, and I very much look like a dad. And I was also a Japanese-American professional wrestling manager. Japanese-American professional wrestling manager? Yes. We've seen him. I, I'm, maybe I'm struggling with the Japanese-American bit. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's Japanese. He's, he's Japanese. He's Japanese-American. Like, he's American with Japanese descent. Right. But think about it. He's in pro wrestling. So he's going to be portrayed as Japanese. It's Arnanda Sonny Ono, obviously. Uh, I, I've got Mr. Fuji written down. Like, why? What? Mr. Why yeah. Mr. Fuji doesn't go with Arn Anderson anywhere? <laughs> Why well, he does to the bedroom. Oh, <laughs> there we go. And on that bombshell, I think we'll end the uh, show for this week. Uh, old man, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. It's been a revelation, hasn't it? We've been to Brooklyn and back with our winter coats on. It was a bit warm. This is only autumn, not even autumn. But don't worry about the seasons. <laughs> Just remember, Kempatera. <laughs> and Tom, thank you for your contributions also. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for having me. I'm glad to be back. I'm not feeling as tired as I am as I was yesterday. Maybe I am. And so maybe I'm a bit pissed. I can't figure out. You are because yesterday. What are you, what are you talking about yesterday? <laughs> well, I, to be fair, I'm not as tired as I was yesterday. <laughs> I am definitely a bit more pissed than I was yesterday. Get your fucking gaffer tape out. <laughs> what a mess. Tape um, your bollocks to the tables. Tape <laughs> your bollocks to the tables. Come on, lads, join in. The bollocks to the tables. Tape your bollocks to the. Oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> Can I know I'm up for it? That's a t-shirt. 
Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back again next week. But until then, take care. <laughs>